Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Pure Hope with your host, Reverend Janice Hope Gorman. Hope is the name the angels gave Reverend Gorman. Help open planetary eyes. And that's what we hope to do on Pure Hope. Thank you for joining us. Hello, my friends, to the Pure Hope Show. We are coming to you live from the Hope Interfaith Center in Mankato, Minnesota, on 114 Pole Road. We have a wonderful temple here that sits on a hill and shines forth much light. And we have many, many different events here at the Hope Interfaith Center. And I'm just going to name a few just in case if some of you are in the Mankato area. Uh, one thing that we do is called Transmission Meditation. Many of you perhaps have heard this with the Master Maitreya. We hold this every Thursday at noon for one hour. Um, this is a group that comes together to be just simply of service to the spiritual hierarchy. And we come together to say the great invocation, sit in silence, only to be used to send light and love into the world. So that's one of our many, many other gateways we have here at the Hope Interfaith Center. One of the other groups that we have is a wonderful men's group that meets every other Wednesday at 5.30 p.m. and meets for an hour. And they share their lives with each other. And it's a group of men who explore. And they are dedicated to expand their consciousness through meditation and fellowship. We also have a couples group that comes together once a month. And we explore how to create and maintain loving relationships. So for further information about the Hope Interfaith Center, if you'd like to look us up, and see what we have to offer, you can go to our website, which is www.hopeinterfaithcenter.com. Or you become, can become our Facebook friend at facebook.com slash hopeinterfaithcenter. Well, my friends, we have an amazing, um, amazing um, Beans that's going to be on the program tonight, and so I want you to relax, take a cup of tea, stay with us for the whole program. Tom, our program director, will be taking phone calls. If you have any phone calls this evening, please feel comfortable enough to call the number is 213-559-2974. After calling, please press the number one. And Tom will put on hold, and we will try to answer your questions. Once again, the number is 213-559-2974. Our show tonight is called The Power and the Beliefs, The Power of Beliefs and Why Love is So Incredibly Important. And our special guest tonight is David uh, Barnett also known as Dave the Mystic. That's how I know Dave. Dave has an engineering background, but has been involved in energy healing since the early 1980s, starting with Healing Touch, Teta Healing, Reiki, Acupuncture, NLP, 
matrix energetics, herbology, crystals, and many, many others. The conversation tonight is going to take us to a place called the Earthbound Realm. And this is a place where souls go to because of their belief patterns when they depart. If one releases from their bodies during their transitions with no love in their heart, they will find themselves in a place that is devoid of love and light. It is my understanding, and we'll get to know more after we talk today, but it's my understanding that these souls may spend only one moment, or it might feel like an eternity. It is also my understanding that the only way to be released from this space is to choose love and light over darkness. David will share with you about his journeys to this place to help release these souls from the illusion of their own beliefs. David will be sharing how this is one of many ways to serve the light. This is one of his many ways. As always, every Pure Hope show focuses on love, and this is what we will do. Dave's path is also the path of love. I personally called my beloved spiritual teacher and just told her a bit of what we will be speaking about tonight. And as every good spiritual teacher would say, that she gave me her blessings push the envelope a bit so we might stretch your imagination. We might push the envelope for you a little bit. She also reminded me that it is important to set this energetically so people feel relaxed. So I'm just going to do just a small, small prayer. Dear ones of love, I dedicate this work to you. I dedicate this program to you. I dedicate this evening to shower love into the world. Let us all relax now deeply into knowing that things are exactly as they will need to be, as tonight will be, and in all of your tonights. It will be in grace, by grace, with grace that we deliver this unto you. And so it is. So everybody take an energetic breath and just become very comfortable. Here is just a little bit more about our very special guest, David Burnett. David really is, and he really is, a rocket scientist. He has multiple technical degrees in electrical engineering. He's uh, involved with bioengineering, computer science. He also has a psychology degree. In 1983, he had a life-changing event and started delving into many areas of metaphysics. He focuses on energy healing. In 1999, he calls the big hands came down again, and since then he has had many spiritual gifts presented to himself, including advanced healing methods, shamanic journaling, or I'm sorry, shamanic journeying, and soul splinter return, past life readings. He helps people work with core beliefs, and he performs energy clearings. He is a regular reader at the Celebration 
metaphysical fairs in Denver and Colorado Springs. How I met Dave is that he has his own radio show on the web called Dave the Mystic, and he is joining us tonight from the great and beautiful state of Colorado. So I ask you all of my listeners to please join me in welcoming David the Mystic. Hello, Dave. Welcome to our show this evening. I'm doing great, and this is wonderful, Good. and thank you for the kind introduction, and uh, I think we're both kind of cold tonight, and we're waiting to warm up again here, so. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that is true. We we do have some cold weather in the Mankato area. Is Colorado cold, t- cold tonight, too? Yeah, we were warm last week, but we had a cold front come through, and it's been chilly and cloudy, which we aren't used to. We're normally always blue skies here, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's it's all good. It's all good. Good, good, good. Well, I just wanted to take one moment to just tell the listeners why I decided to do this program tonight because I was so intrigued. I I had the great pleasure of being on the show in June on Dave the Mystics on Dave's program, and it was such a delight to be on your program. So I want to thank you for that. But what Certainly. really intrigued me the most, Mr. David, is this. <laughs> we had a small conversation before I went on the air with you, and I think I just simply casually asked you, what have you been doing lately or something like that? And you said very, very calmly, well, I go to hell every once in a while and get people out. And, of course, I thought, what? in the world is he saying and who is this man Um, then I I began you began to tell me about it and I became so incredibly interested and knew that I wanted this man on my radio show as well and so let's talk about this let's tell the listeners what you mean by this comment that you go to hell and help release people what what does that mean to you? I'd really be happy to. Um, I think to a lot of people, hell is a theoretical concept uh, from my viewpoint. Sadly, some people take it as a literal concept, and I don't think it was ever intended that way. And uh, I'm uncomfortable with uh, any religions that use that as a threat or coercion to people to uh, toe the line, so to speak. Uh, because it implants beliefs on them creating their reality. Uh, I'm very much in the, the school that believes that we are all co-creators. We're all participating in generating the illusion that's around us. And not only is it in the physical plane, but it's also in the spiritual plane. And uh, so what I found, and uh, I'll, I'll talk more about it, but... Uh, Basically, if somebody is convinced that there is a hell and they have a wonderfully detailed idea of what it looks like, whatever that means, whether it's fires, you know, torment, devils running around little pitchforks, I don't care. It can be rather childish. It can be rather sophisticated, but it's uh, they do have a very strong image of it. And if they die and believe they belong there because they did not earn their place to go in through the pearly gates or however they interpret it, um, 
then the creator says, yes, I will indulge you. I will indulge your, your view, your vision, your uh, co-creation capability, and if you want to create a hell and put yourself in it, go for it. And when you get tired of it, uh, there will be angels around, and you can let them know you're tired of it and just kind of wondered, is this all there is? And uh, so what happened to me originally was uh, I had started shamanic journeying and it, it came out of creative visualization where spiritual beings start taking my hand and taking me to other places and this had been going on a year or two when one one morning in my meditation I went down sort of into a long hallway and you know around us is the astral plane which is kind of gray, uh, a little bit foggy, smoky, dark, and that's where a lot of uh, people who've died in are what we call earthbounds hang mm-hmm. out as well as lower vibration entities. And uh, I kind of went through that, and I was familiar with that because I've seen some of that area. And I ended up going into a tunnel. It looked like it was a pathway down into a dungeon. And the archangels and angels and other spiritual guides with me uh, opened a great big heavy wooden door and we went through and started seeing doors that look like uh, individual cells in a dungeon and you know once again barred and wooden and we went into one and sure enough there's somebody in there and um, in some form I don't remember exactly they were they were being punished uh, it may have been you know whipping whatever it wasn't a fire type uh-huh and they said, basically, this is a person who's down here under mistaken beliefs. How would you help them? Oh. And I thought, well, oh. okay, the first thing I'm going to do is dissolve their illusion and stand them up and clean them up and put on some fresh clothes, which I did. So they're in some uh-huh. nice robes and kind of wondering what the heck is going on because uh, demons or other persecutors were suddenly absent. And... Then I visualized uh, a doorway forming in the wall and asking to step through it. And we were in a, a room that was kind of like a, a modern boardroom with a conference table and comfortable chairs and carpet, and I had them sit down. And then myself and the other spiritual beings sat on the other side of the table and started talking to them. Uh, I do this very rapidly now, but back then I, I was slow and methodical because I was feeling my way through it. And I uh, talked to them about why they thought they belonged there and who they thought they had hurt and that type of thing. And then I said, you know, what's out there is really an illusion. And one of the things I always made sure was that I had like a a great big torch, you know, a burning torch in a sconce in the wall. And I said, please take that torch. Please stand up and take that torch. And I said, go over and walk to that door, open up and look out and tell me what you see. And, of course, they expect to see uh, the room they just came from. And they open it up, and it was a great big black void. And I said, that is what's really out there. What you were used to is what you're creating, and the creator indulged you, and it's your fantasy. I said, are you ready to go to the spiritual plane now? And some of them were reluctant because, once again, they still had these fears of meeting people that they had... uh, harmed or wronged so to speak and i said look we're going to be with you and uh, when i started out doing this we would take them back and form a sort of a forgiveness circle with uh, 
all their family and friends and the people who are involved. And uh, I would typically go up to a podium or one of the guides would and say, this is a great honor and pleasure to actually return somebody to the spiritual plane from hell. And uh, there would be wild applause, and sometimes we were in a stadium, sometimes auditorium, sometimes just a small, like, picnic tent out on the grass. And then I would, uh, yeah, I would set up the person to walk them through forgiveness scripts with the others and so that they could reconcile and uh, if they needed psychological or emotional or even some physical healing uh, as they perceived it to release those uh, kind of human illusions that they can be harmed uh, there would be caretakers there to help them with that but return them there and a couple observations this is really critical because uh, I think in the the big picture, um, there are no such things as coincidences. And um, in my spiritual work, I've really gotten to the place where I'm non-judgmental, and it's because I've seen so much out of my past life work uh, with others and this type of energy work and spiritual work that, um, for example, uh, just a very simplistic thing, if uh, I look out my window out at the street and I see Joe shoot Bob, and kill Bob. Uh, our traditional society expectation is Joe's a bad, good, bad guy and Bob is a harmless, innocent, good guy victim. Uh, if you start really looking into the contracts they had before they came into this life and manifested, you may find that in a past life, uh, Bob shot Joe and killed Joe. Mm-hmm. Or you may find that in another lifetime, Joe shot Bob and killed him and they both agreed to come back to give Joe another chance to perceive the situation in its real truth and to walk away. So you don't know. And um, so as a compassionate human being and spiritual person, I will attempt to intervene on something like that because I don't want to see anybody harmed. But mm-hmm. uh, if it comes to pass that something happens like that in that situation, I'm not going to judge it because I don't know all the background facts. So when I return these people from hell back into the spiritual plane and help them find reconciliation, in a lot of cases it's finally getting rid of that misunderstanding so that they can uh, join back up actually with their, their spiritual buddies where they agreed to come down and manifest this situation to learn from it, grow through it, and... Uh, there was no animosity there ever. It was just uh, their memories are veiled, and they come down, and they're on a stage, and they have a script and a costume, and they do their best to act out that script. And um, then sometimes I can get into this illusion that I am uh, a bad human, even if I have a spark of the divine in me, that all you have to do is blow on it a little bit, and the ember goes into fire. Um that spark of the divine is even in all the the dark entities I run into and move them into the spiritual plane of my clearing work. So everything that has consciousness has a spark of the divine, and it's recognizing that and uh, remembering and bringing that back to light and then helping people move on. So that kind of in a nutshell is what I do uh, when I go to hell and help others. Mm-hmm. You know what I like about you, Dave, is when you speak, you speak with such 
calmness. And, you know, like sometimes people will tell a story to me or perhaps tell a story to our guests and audiences that there's a lot of glamour in it somehow. And so the ego gets a hold of them. And so that's the reason why I wanted to have you come on the program to talk about this because I feel energetically, I hear no glamour energy in you. I feel or see no energy of ego. When you described to me the first time that we talked together about what you did, I thought and could feel the energy, this man is for real. This is a definitely for real um, servant to the light, um, helper to God, and yet you have I believe this capability of teaching us, including myself, this pheno- about this phenomenal work that you do. And so that's the reason when I called my teacher, Christina Rose, and she point blank said to me, well, what makes you think that after we transcend that we don't create reality there? We are always creating our realities through our consciousness. So what you have said and what you told me that night when I was on your program, I just thought that is really for truth. You know, I just, I was amazed when you were speaking of it and still amazed and still amazed at what you're um, providing for us tonight. So I thank you for being brave to talk about this (laughs) issue because we, you know, lots of times people stay away from it because they're, feel a lot of fear about it and when I'm talking to you about it I don't feel any fear whatsoever I'm just intrigued with the work that you do so I I thank you for that I thank you for that I also did I think of all my programs so far um, that I've done I've done a lot of reading about earthbound energies and um, have read within these articles that there are many levels to this earthbound area, just like there are many levels to heaven. Is that right? Is that how you perceive it? Okay. Uh, I I think there, in the astral plane, there are a lot of variations. And the reason I get there is um, there's uh, one place that would be a wonderful reference for your listeners and... Uh, It's called Life in the World Unseen, and the published author is Borgia, B-O-R-G-I-A, but it's a channeled book uh, of the experiences of an Anglican priest in England who died in 1916, and he was able to come back and sort of get a dispensation to correct a number of things that he published when he was alive that poo-pooed the... uh, the psychic or the metaphysical realms, and he really felt guilty about that and wanted to come back and correct that. And he talks about different vibrational levels and sort of uh, doing some of his service work, which is going to the barren area where people kind of, once again, they create their own reality. They banish themselves to this rocky, gray, low-light area and kind of wallow in their misery and uh-huh. makes periodic trips there to talk to them. Uh, I've been led to areas where, uh, frankly, it looks like uh, extensive prisons with people all crowded in, and um, I'm invited there to go talk and give inspirational talks to those people, 
and I can see occasionally the light will come on for one or another, and they will then transition into the, the spiritual plane with full remembering rather than placing themselves in, in something like that. So, yeah, I think there are, are layers to that. Uh, another thing I, I do uh, with clients is what's called soul splinter return, and in this case what happens frequently to children who go through a traumatic event. Uh, and as an adult, you may say, yes, that is traumatic, or no, that that wasn't a big deal. That's just little Susie at three years old riding her tricycle down a set of stairs and getting you know banged up a little bit. And um, But uh, the soul in them uh, may say something like, this isn't what I bargained for. This isn't what I agreed to. This isn't what I thought this would be like. And a piece of the soul splinters off and goes into the astral plane, and sometimes they're in beautiful places. You know, they're in the little cabin by the stream, and that consciousness stays about the same age of when they split off. In other cases, I find them chained to a rock and guarded by big nasty things. But when I do these... Uh, Returns. I go out and start out with the youngest one, and then I find after I, I help encourage a, the youngest one to come with me and that it's safe now to return to the, the person as an adult, that they'll be protected, we go find the next oldest one, the next oldest one. In each case, I find their story of when and where and why they, they split off. But I do see a variety of experiences in the astral plane, and it can be anything from a you know, barren, harsh desert to uh, sort of a grassy area where you say, this looks awful close to the, the first uh, spiritual plane of heaven. And it, it may be fairly close, but it's not quite there because it it doesn't have that transition through the, the white light tunnel, whatever you want to call it, where people um, have their, their full selfhood restored, all their memories restored, um, are welcome back, and suddenly all the veils are lifted, and they know who and what they are again. Uh, they they don't reach that point. Uh-huh. So there uh-huh. there are nice protected areas in the astral plane, and there are other places that are very grim. And then the astral plane devolves into much darker, lower layers. Uh, and so I I've been down to uh, one time I I was actually taken so I would know the experience of going to what is called the pit. And the pit is the deepest, darkest, blackest, coldest, most unfriendly, hateful place in the depths of uh, where the demonic or satanic beings are. And it is used to punish those beings if they don't accomplish their mission here on the planet and are uh, somehow somehow cleared, and if they don't choose to go to the spiritual plane, they're sent back there, and they're frequently punished by putting them in the pit. And I walked through the pit, and um, so my clearing work, uh, when I started doing it kind of the, the slow way, and I would confront some of these beings who were attaching people's energy field, and I had them in a safe, confined space, uh, I would look them in the eye, and they could see that I knew the truth of the pit and what they would be returned to. And once they saw that, they would frequently say, okay, I'm ready to go to the spiritual plane. Then I'd arrange for uh, spiritual beings to escort them. Uh, so yeah. I, it gave me that credibility of, of having seen what is there waiting for them. Hmm. Hmm. So how did a man like you that has all these 
multiple technical degrees end up doing work like this? How did how did that ever begin? Well, in, in uh, I always talk about the big hands because uh, I've evolved to points that I I'd be happy to talk to you privately about uh, that go very far beyond. But I because of those points, I think that the perfect spiritual plan at many levels was to carefully walk me through a number of experiences where I was forced to stretch, I was forced to see that technical explanations didn't make sense, and especially I was given and shown and had validating experiential phenomena happen to me that the science just can't touch. Uh, Just Mm -hmm. frankly, it's not there. And uh, even as a a recent grad out of graduate school for electrical engineering, after I'd been working for several years, I really started to realize that uh, much of what I took for granted in engineering had no explanatory value. Um, If you look at typically what engineers do, they take uh, science and apply it for people. But we use mathematical formulas, and those formulas represent a pragmatic approach to making things work and support us, you know, like the how strong is an I-beam for supporting a floor in a building, things like that. But whether you're talking about Ohm's Law, which relates voltage, current, and resistance, or you're talking about an I-beam or any of these other formulas, it tells you nothing about what is the material, what is the phenomena. Uh, Ohm's Law tells me nothing about what an electron is or... Uh, according to quantum theory, what it isn't, where quantum theory would say it's uh, nonsensical to even ask what an electron is. That that question doesn't have meaning, even though to the average electrical engineer, he would say, oh, well, electrons transport to charge, the charge going by a point means current, and current is what makes light bulbs light. And uh, we just look at it on a very macro level uh, as a gross effect, and we just accept it every day. But electrical engineers, much less anybody else, they, they have no idea what an electron is or how it really works going through a wire. Mm-hmm. Um, we just have pragmatic explanations. And I, I started to see that my scientific world was falling apart uh, in the 80s, and that's also when I had my other experiences that led me to start looking at metaphysics, non-traditional approaches, trying different things, and uh, that's where I really focused on healing. And then in 1999, 2000 time frame, I started getting motivated again to start digging more. And uh, I left uh, Lockheed Martin in 2000, took a job in a renewable energy company for three years, and I left them in 2003. And I had uh, several contracts in hand with a company in California supporting uh, Air Force research in uh, ways to package spacecraft. And pretty much almost not quite clear audience, but very much in my head, the big voice came down and said, okay, you have all the money you need, you have all the schedule and time control that you need, go learn everything you can about healing. And uh, I plowed into it for the next three or four years very, very deeply uh, in many different aspects. And as I did and took some uh, uh, psychic development classes, psychic mentoring and stuff, um, a lot of gifts started revealing themselves to me. And 
a lot of oh. different transcendent experiences in the spiritual planes happened, mm-hmm. and that has just gone up exponentially um, over the past three or four years. So it's mm-hmm. I feel blessed, I feel gifted, uh, I feel like I have a lot to offer not only this planet, but uh, parallel Earth, the universe. Um, I feel like I'm touching a lot of things. Yes, yes, you are. You are. I, I hope this program, what it's doing for many people right now, is kind of deconstructing assumptions that they mm-hmm. perhaps have been given over not only this lifetime but other lifetimes. But, but to begin the process of deconstructing assumptions and old belief patterns, you know, widens you, broadens you, deepens you, your heart opens up, you feel the divine, and you begin to dedicate your life to making the world a better place. And certainly the work that you're doing is so incredibly, incredibly valuable. So um, so do you work with certain guides or angels of, uh, for you to do this type of work? Are they certain guides well, for, and angels? For, uh, for a long time in my clearing work, I was very closely coupled to Archangel Michael, and I still do a lot of work with him because there's... Uh, tremendous power, light, and uh, truth there. I, I think truth is one of the, the strongest things that I can tap into Michael for when I'm doing clearing work because so many of the the low vibration entities are avoiding the truth. And right, um, right. when they're confronted with the truth, then they're, they're ready to be moved on, and Michael is supreme at that. Besides, uh, he actually has a, a troop of former... Uh, dark entities who have converted to the light and they're very helpful when you're talking to dark things because they will unmask and show the the dark things I'm working with that they were there, they know what it's like they, uh, they're they very convincing because uh, you can't fool them you know, it's it's like pure counseling <laughs> yeah, it and, is yeah. and uh, then a year ago March uh, I talked to an intuitive that I was led to and I I occasionally get my own readings, and uh, she said, I know you have a close relationship with Archangel Michael. I said, well, well, yes, I do. And she said, you need to go to a higher vibration. I said, well, okay, what does that look like? And she said, you need to go tie into Metatron. And um, I knew the name. I knew a, a very rough, sketchy outline. I started to dig in, and then the Metatron energy really started ramping up in me and tying to me. And um, so uh, in a lot of places, because of that close coupled energy with me and what I've discovered about um, my my spiritual existence um, in areas I call myself Dave Metatron. And yeah. <laughs> I'm finding that when uh, when people have health issues or weather issues or clearing issues uh, at this point a lot of times just when they they sort of focus on gosh you know Dave Metatron needs some help here um, then I get an email a day or two later and just says thanks so much for helping it's like well consciously I don't even know what you're talking about but I'm glad it helped and I'm glad it worked mm-hmm. and um, that's um, happening very very much now and I invite your listeners to, uh, you know, all this stuff. I like validation. I like testing. Um, 
I would just encourage them to uh, invoke the the name Dave Metatron and. Uh, you know, if it's raining, snowing, and you need some blue sky for a picnic or an event, uh, just say, could we get a little bit of uh, clarity here? And uh, use the, the Dave Metatron tag, and uh, a lot of neat things happen with that. And uh, happens with healing, but also happens, you know, if there's uh, a lot of clearing. My, my clearing calls have gone up exponentially in the past two years. Uh, there's a lot of dark entities who are... Uh, I think afraid of being left behind as we go through energy shifts, and they're attaching to anybody or anything they can, and they're they're getting very strong, and they're getting past the point where smudging or or other more basic techniques that used to work work very well with them anymore. And uh, so, if people start finding that, you know, things uh, they're getting phenomena in their houses, I'll just call it that, and. Anybody who's had that knows what it means, and it's very uncomfortable. Uh, if they just start invoking the, the, the Dave Metatron for help, then uh, they'll find that it at least will get them through through the night or through things where the, the kids are seeing things that are you know severely frightening, things like that, uh-huh. to uh, uh-huh. help them move on. Uh-huh. Um, so I, I clearly offer that energy, and I... Um, I don't need to know about it. It just uh, that energy is is so strong and so available now. Um, in a number of readings over the years, I, I keep having the term applied back to me called the communicator, and I I continue to learn what that means. And it's bringing through information like this and bringing through uh, I think consciousness like this as a form of communication too. Mhm. Mhm. Well, that's wonderful. I think we tend to forget about ask and you shall receive, and so shall you receive. And that's one of the things to do. I would encourage my listeners to do that is to ask and and see for yourself. You know, just see for yourself yeah, how. Yeah, test it. Try it out. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I always tell people, prove me wrong. Try. I, I literally tell them, try to prove me wrong, um, versus try to prove me right. Try to prove me wrong. And what they will see in that phenomenon is that I'm right as we begin to kind of do this heart expansion and mind expansion of how we can work with energies to clear to clear our houses, to clear our energy fields. So, Well, I'm, I'm just going to talk a little bit about Ruth Montgomery. I was introduced to Ruth Montgomery when I went to a walk-in convention, and she's certainly the grandmother who brought in much information about walk-ins and one of her comments uh, in many of the books that I've read um, with Dear Ruth is that addiction, if addiction isn't conquered before death, whatever that addiction is, but primarily alcohol, I believe, and drug, um, it can Mm -hmm. keep your soul earthbound. What would you say about that comment? Well, when I talk to people when I'm doing clearing sessions, and, you know, the obvious question is, when somebody dies and they don't go through the light, and, and I've, it's been curious. I, I've had some people say, oh, well, I'm a medium and I, I work with people, and I never have the impression that the uh, personality, the spiritual essence of somebody that comes through for my client is out of the... Uh, earthbound plane or astral plane. I never get that impression. I'm kind of curious about that, but 
Uh, my experience is there are many earthbounds out there, and one of the reasons, I'll give the others in a minute, but one of the reasons that they're stuck here is because they were addicted to something, and they have the impression that if they go to the spiritual plane, they will still have that addiction, and they won't have any way to satisfy the craving. And it could be some form of sex, it could be drugs, it could be alcohol, whatever. And they aren't willing to risk it. And so uh, what I used to do is sort of one-on-one clearing with them so that they would move on to the light. I would uh, convince them that... uh, they're going to have what looks and feels like a physical body, and so they will release the addiction along with any other uh, health issues in their body, and that's just not an issue. Uh, one of the sneaky ways I found of doing that is uh, you go ahead and um, I, I have a temple that I created a number of years ago in the parking lot in front of a metaphysical bookstore down here. That's kind of a collection point for... Uh, earthbounds and I put it there because I did a lot of clearing work on the store and the store is so bright and and clear that it would draw them in just like a lighthouse and so I put the temple out there with angels who were going to divert them there and I started doing uh, more bulk clearing so to speak things like cemeteries and and other places where Essentially, I just pull up the, the spiritual school buses, load the earthbounds on there, and drop them off at the temple. And then mm-hmm. on a once-a-month once basis, go do a, a mass transition of all these people uh, through the white light with whatever guides, spiritual beings, family, whoever they need to help escort them through. But I would frequently find that there would be three or four left behind, and typically they're alcoholics or drug addicted people when they're alive and so I would uh, manifest uh, what looked like a bar outside of this temple and you know on the outside it'd say alcohol drugs girls beer whatever big neon lights and I say well uh, since you guys don't want to go through the white light why don't you go over there I think that they can take care of you and they're kind of naive about what the rules are um, in terms of not actually having a physical experience and so sure enough they go over and trot in there and I, I had uh, spiritual beings waiting for them to counsel them and take them through so that that's how we handled them but but absolutely um, if you're convinced that as an alcoholic that you are going to have an unquenchable thirst if you go into the spiritual plane and there's no help for you then you may hold back. The other things that I see holding people back, one is, uh, once again, if uh, the people have no no church experience, no, no concept of an afterlife, they're weirdly surprised when they um, still have consciousness. They may not even recognize that the dead body on the ground was their former physical body. And they wander around kind of in a daze. Uh, they don't just magically get smart about metaphysics or the afterlife. And they're kind of wondering why nobody will talk to them and nobody will acknowledge them. And uh, they come up with weird rationalizations about why they don't need to eat or drink or worry about the weather, things like that. So they're, they're really lost. And then uh, another group are the ones... They really did go to church, and they were good churchgoers, maybe, but at least they heard the message that 
all of you are sinners and all of you are bad people. <laughs> and it's just by the grace of God that you might just get get into heaven by the skin of your teeth. And if you don't make it, you're going to this terrible, fiery, burning hell. And uh, that's the most likely thing for you. And they pass, and they're not willing to take the chance. They would rather take a known quantity of the astral plane rather than uh, what if of going to the spiritual plane and being judged guilty and sent to hell. So they don't go. And um, so that's another big category uh, of that type. And I uh, found out in uh, when I was really embarking on the path and doing a lot of shamanic journey that I had uh, three past lifetimes where I had been very much in your face with the uh, the Catholic Church in the Middle Ages, uh, complaining, uh, protesting against their teachings about what the concept of hell was because. I knew it wasn't true, and I knew it was infecting people's minds and interfering with their spiritual passing. And uh, that was not greeted very well, and I didn't last very long uh, with that kind of protest. And uh, so when I was getting started out, for some reason, it was critical for me to change the outcome of those lifetimes. So I did get spiritual permission uh, from councils of elders to go change those lifetimes. And I did, and... Uh, had those people end up surviving, teaching um, on the sly, so to speak, so that they wouldn't be in public and get in trouble. And uh, so I changed the outcome there. So I, I truly believe that in past and future lives, we're we're all interlinked and we can still influence each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, do birds of a feather flock together? What I mean that is that do souls kind of gravitate in groups according to the rate or the vibration of their soul or their remembrance of the truth of who they are then? I, I'm sure they do. I, I'm sure they take on that experience. And, so if, uh, you, if you cross over and you don't see your family members, that's that's because they're on a different level then, vibrationally. Yeah, well, I th- I think when you cross over... Um, everybody has the chance to meet spiritual beings. Um, I think there's some people who miss out because they don't understand the concept of what they're supposed to do. And they were suspicious people in life, and they were paranoid people in life, and they're suspicious people in death, and still paranoid after death. There's a whole lot of personality that still goes with you, uh, after you die, you don't just become this loving person who's wearing the angel costume and playing the harp. And um, even to the extent that uh, there are multiple layers uh, to the spiritual plane, and uh, as you evolve, you go up in the layers. And as you go up in the layers, you have less and less of a need for a physical representation or what still seems to be kind of like our physical existence on Earth, and you become more and more of an energy representation. But in the the base layer, I think a lot of people are going to find that it looks very much like suburbia, just minus the cars and minus the sidewalks, minus uh, the kitchens and the food preparation, that type of thing. But you're probably going to be in a house that it might even be a copy of one of your favorite houses growing up or something. And uh, you can you can kind of get your 
your bearings and then you you wink yourself here and there to go to meetings, go to classes, uh, continue to uh, pursue opportunities for spiritual growth, and um, you may um, you may find that there are Orthodox Jewish communities because they carry enough of their personality that they're very strongly attract to each other to stay in that community. You may find that there are ethnic communities where they're much more comfortable because they still carry that identification with them in the, the first layer of heaven on the spiritual plane as they're uh, gradually evolving, uh, things like that. And um, I, I think that's why you see these things where you, you can have... Uh, uh, spirit mediums bringing through somebody, and yeah, sure enough, they're out of the spiritual plane. But by golly, they are still the same opinionated cubs. Yeah. And <laughs> you know, it, it's not that they just became you know airy fairy and uh, you know tapioca uh, in person yeah. personality. They they still carry that. Now, as they go up in vibration, they are probably going to lose identification so much with what their personality was as uh, uh, an earth entity uh, for whenever they experience that and truly become much more of an evolved uh, personality and seeing the big picture, so to speak. But at the lower levels, you know, starting out levels of the spiritual plane, you're going to have a lot of those personality characteristics still existing, and um, you might still find some people that they... uh, really didn't like each other here and they really don't like each other there and it doesn't matter that they're, they're they've gone to a spiritual area and they're learning you know that's that's still part of the progression mm-hmm. yeah i found this statement by um um margaret Trudell. i don't know if you're aware of her information and guidance and one of her statements that i read um was that your spiritual state of being you here on earth is the spiritual state you take with you to the world beyond when you die, and that there is no sudden metamorphosis from an idle person into an active person or from a money-centered person into a God-centered person. So that's exactly what you've just got done saying, is that whoever you are is whoever you are, wherever you are. Mm-hmm. And um, so let's move the conversation into the love vibration and okay. how how important do you you know how, what would you say to our audience and guests as they're listening about this vibration of love and holding that vibration right now as we enter into the shift and many people are leaving the planet um, what do you have to add to that piece I think that's essential, but I'll I'll hit it from another direction that I think is very critical at this point. And um, that place, uh, when I'm working with a lot of people who are either in a tough place or they are on a path of spiritual development wondering what they can do to remove blocks to it, hasten it, whatever, uh, Mm -hmm. I frequently talk about forgiveness. And the first phrase I always start out with is, one of the most selfish things you can do is forgive other people. And where I get to on that is, uh, first, uh, if you go around with unresolved uh, anger and and hatred and uh, those types of issues about what somebody else did to you, 
it's uh, I equate it to you're trying to walk down a beach and you're you're hauling anchors on chains in the sand behind you. It's very hard mm-hmm. to move forward. And the funniest thing about it is the other person doesn't even know you feel that way. They don't know, they don't care, and it's not affecting them. So you're burning up a lot of energy trying to keep those memories alive in you. And so I, I help people with a number of methods to release those. Um, one of the, the books I like, and um, I would say almost uh, the the core message of the book, so you can skip buying the book if you want, it, it's called Zero Limits uh, by Dr. Hugh Lin. Um, he was a Hawaiian psychologist, and he worked at a psychiatric uh, prison, and he never went out and actually counseled the the inmates. He worked strictly off their file folders. But basically, his core image was, what is there in me that is causing you to do that? And he came up with sort of four core statements that you can use in many situations to defuse them, especially if you rehearse them a number of times before you ever go to the situation. And uh, the four statements are, I love you, I'm so sorry, please forgive me, thank you. And in those statements, what you're doing is you are acknowledging that you're creating the reality around you. And if people are coming to you with their stingers out, with their barbs, with their clubs, whatever, what is it in you that is creating that, manifesting it, drawing that in? And uh, I, I think that is so essential on the forgiveness and um, the the other thing I see because uh, as I work with past lives is um, if you have oaths or vows or curses on another person either way because you're the perpetrator or because you're the victim uh, those are very very hard karmically to dissolve when you're both in spirit and what's going to happen is Every three or four lifetimes, the two of you will show up again, and at about the same age uh, as the situation, with about the same aches or pains and the same level of antagonism, um, they will attempt to rekindle that knowledge, knowing interest in that, so that you can go through an acknowledgement and a formal release of that that energy that's tying you together. So I, I think it's so essential for people to. Uh, clear the decks and just say, you know, I I know that that other person by any objective standard has done me wrong, but uh, I am wasting my time, I'm wasting my energy, I'm wasting my thinking, my emotions on trying to keep that alive, and I'm ready to walk away from it. It's, it's time. And uh, whether it's something I did, they did, who knows what, what it is, and who knows spiritually what it is. It's time to uh, release that and release those karmic ties so that both of you can move on. And uh, that's not going to dog you in the spiritual plane where you say, wow, I'm really sorry we put that chain between each other and we're about to find another sort of coupled lifetime so that we can try to wake up enough to break that chain and not carry it any farther. Uh-huh, uh-huh. That is what I mean when I talk about the love vibration because just like you said, forgiveness and um, um, and and to do that for yourself is to do that to another and that's what the oneness is. And, and 
I really want our listeners to understand the statement that Dave, when he talked about it's much harder to release that energy in spirit world than it is in your body right now. And to release that and stop dragging that ball and chain behind you in the sand, like you said, I think that's really, really necessary, really important for people and our listeners to understand. We have a few minutes, and and, um, I was just wondering, do you have any last comments that you'd like to tell our listeners and to our audience tonight um, of where perhaps they should go from here or what you're capable of helping them if they're holding on to energies? Um, What what would be your last comment? I'll turn off my phone for one thing. (laughs) (laughs) Turn off your cell phone. (laughs) But... uh, (laughs) The, uh, the thing I'd say is uh, I can help people with discernment and knowing the next step. And uh, I think it's very critical for people to uh, use discernment to find somebody who's a spiritual coach or mentor. And also I think it's very critical for myself and for others that uh, you avoid dogmatic approaches. They, rule-based approaches where, uh, well, I'll I just tell you, I... I question the spiritual attainment and development and level of somebody who says, I'm an important spiritual figure, I can help you, but you have to do it exactly this way. I think there are so many paths to the top of the mountain that I'm willing to help you discover your path, I'm willing to help you gain some understanding, maybe interpret it, but my path is not your path, and it's not going to do you any good to try to follow up the trail I went up the mountain. You, you need to follow your trail, and I'll try to keep you in an understanding frame of mind to learn from it and grow, whether it's me or somebody else that would be uh, appropriate for you. But um, I, I take very little uh, stuff now from people when they say, this is the way you got to think. This is the way you got to believe. This is this is the truth, you know, with a capital T. And it's like, no, this whole planet is illusionary. I am working on my own metaphors for what spirituality looks like, and I'll help you develop yours. And I guarantee you're going to outgrow yours periodically. That's part of the evolution process. And um, I think one of the statements I really like is in one of the Joseph Campbell books is that, uh, I periodically know that I'm making a lot of progress because I can go kill off the God that I envisioned, and yeah. I'm envisioning then the next God. Because if you can envision God, then that God is limited by your perceptions, and that's not truly the, the universal creative mind or energy or spirit, however you choose to try to really make it that big concept. So mm-hmm. th- those are, I think, what I pass on to your listeners at this point. Well, I am amazed by you, my friend, and I could listen to you a lot longer because, again, I appreciate the uh, no glamour, no glitz. I appreciate the um, deconstruction of the ego when I listen to you and your vibrational frequency and what you can do and what you're doing for the planet and what you can do to our listeners and... I love, love, love the fact that you said that when they come to you, you will not say my way is your way because 
I am the same with you. I have no, I have very little time for people who say you got to do it this way or else. And um, that little flame that's inside of us that we fan, that is the I am presence that knows all, can do all. So I, I, I just really appreciate um, this conversation. I found it interesting. I found it intriguing. I found it truthful. I tr- find it loving. And so I thank you for sharing tonight with us and all of my guests. I think many people are going to start thinking about um, how to live their lives, to perhaps pay more attention to their path and um, move into the vibration of love and forgiveness. So I, I I really thank you, Dave, very much. So. Oh, you're so welcome. Um, to our listening audience, I want you to know that Dave can be contacted for personal sessions. Now, he did not ask me to say this, but because I very rarely pass people on for personal sessions, but I would encourage you to call Dave the Mystic, and his number is 303-902. 5323, or you can go to his um, contact Dave by putting in lowercase d b a r n e t t at holistic beliefs, holistic beliefs, all lower cap, all lowercase, I'm sorry, dot com. You can also tune in to Dave the Mystic on his web radio show on Healing every Monday night at 8 p.m. Uh, and you can visit him on www.blogtalkradio.com slash Dave the Mystic. Now, I want all of us just take a deep breath. Just relax. And I'm going to ask all of you just to listen to these words of love. For this is who you really are. In this moment, I perceive my vibration as the presence of oneness. For this is who I am. My sense of it is enhanced when my focus of attention is upon love. When my focus of attention is elsewhere, into the illusion of lower frequency thoughts, My sense of my own divine essence is diminished. So I now know that by placing my attention on the truth of who I am, I will stay in the energy of love. I shall not abandon this truth of who I am. I am love. My true identity is no longer in question. I am simply not going to view life in my old perspectives anymore. For I am the light, essence, consciousness, and bliss. For I am the light, essence, consciousness, and bliss. For I am the light, essence, consciousness, and bliss. I am love. I feel my hands now blasting with energy. My heart flowing with love. 
My whole body is electrified by this truth that I now hold on to forever. I am love. I am love. I am love. Once again, I would like to thank Dave. I would ask you to tune into his Blog Talk radio show. Contact him if indeed you are looking for a personal session with him. Once again, his number is 303-902-5323. Namaste. Thank you all for joining us tonight. May you be blessed with warm hearts during these autumn days and nights and may your personal blessings continue to become beyond measure may they just continue to bless you bless you bless you i love you all for joining us at the hope at the pure hope show tune in again and god bless you all namaste thank you for tuning in to pure hope by reverend janice hope gorman And until next time, remember that true greatness consists in being great in the little things. Be kind. Be gentle. Be loving. Be true.